0: All right, I'll see you Thursday. Thursday
1: night. Yeah. It's Thursday, Thursday, the day before Friday, the day after Wednesday, two days after Tuesday.
2: Thursday. It's Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday.
1: Thursday.
3: I don't care about you. Thursday doesn't even
4: start. So sometime between now and uh, Thursday, I've got to come up with a small fortune. It's the gateway to the weekend. Thursday. Now here's Bob and Sherry.
5: Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Throwback Thursday. I was catching up on my uh, DVR list last night, trying to like Mm -hmm. weed through and watch some stuff. Kevin had found a show hosted by Betty White called um, Off Their Rockers, where old people prank young people on the street, candid camera style. Have you ever heard of this? I had never even heard of this. And he DVR'd an episode of it. And, um, it was exactly, sure, he's been
2: what, in, he's been in the garage too long.
5: It's way too long. Yeah. Oh, way too long. Yeah. Wow. Way too long. Off Dog their hospice, rockers. Off their off rockers. Off the their rockers. The late Betty White, candid huh. camera, old people pranking, um, like, you know, millennials on the street. It was, oh, yeah. you know, it was all right. You can, I could understand why it didn't become like a big, massive hit, you know, it got kind of predictable. So I watched that, you know, kind of on fast forward. And then I was going through some <clears throat> tonight's show episodes. And then I hit the one that made me feel one million years old. Jimmy Fallon um, is at his desk, and he holds up an album, and he said, "This is the 40th anniversary of this album. Please welcome name of the band to perform their iconic hit." Gen Xers, Boomers, and Millennials alike, hold on to something. This song. Is 40 years old. And the band is performing it live on the Tonight Show, and they sound amazing. This is modern English. Moving forwards, using all my breath.
1: Making love to you, I never said. Congrats. I saw the world clashing all around your face Never really knowing it was always a shot face, face. I'll stop you when we You've the difference and it's getting better
3: all the time
1: I almost fell
2: off the couch. The this, this song to me sounds uh, 20 years old. I, that is absolutely shocking. Did you say 40 years 40. ago the song was This is yeah.
5: the 40th anniversary of I Melt With You.
2: You know what? Here's and by the, the band, the,
5: the band looked amazing.
2: Did I'd they? never Good. seen
5: them perform this live mm-hmm. before.
2: It's a great song. I mean, it truly is a great rock song. Here's why it is so shocking and why so many people are shocked by that. This song never went away. This nope. song is so good. I mean, even if you don't leave, listen to a radio station that plays uh, songs from that era, you still will run into this song, whether it's at a sports bar, in a supermarket, a drugstore. It's going to get played. On a commercial. On a, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very, very true. A lot of them are uh, resurrected through spots now.
5: What I think is so interesting about this song, and there's a handful of songs like it that if we sat here and thought about it, we could probably make a list. There are songs that sound like the era they come from. Like this sounds like 80s music to me.
2: It does, yeah. But
5: in, not in a dated way. Right. It just sounds like a crystal clear, sharp 80s jam. In well, the you way sometimes you'll one? hear like a Doors song or a Fleetwood Mac yeah, song, yeah. and you'll be like, well, hello, 1970s, right? Yeah.
2: Don't You Forget About Me. That's That's another another great example, yeah. As a matter of fact, these two songs are like brother and sister to me. I could could hear them back to back and it would make sense.
5: There are a bunch of 90s songs, like kind of grungy alt songs that Mm -hmm. you never get tired of and you hear them when you go, oh man, the 90s. And then Mm -hmm. there are other songs that just sound super dated. Like Mm -hmm. you still like them and they're kind of fun to listen to, but they sound like, oh yeah, that's an old song. This song managed to encapsulate that '80s jam without yeah. dating itself.
2: Yeah, 40 it's just got years. such a great book. Yeah. Oh my gosh!
5: So there's your throwback Thursday bucket of ice cold water. Elderly millennials and Gen Xers and Boomers. We got more onto the news coming up. We're going to take you down the rabbit hole with some very nostalgic Halloween killer bees and everyone needs a laugh and the first real housewife of anything. And her ghost still walks
6: the streets. We've got a very spooky story for you coming up. It's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate. Happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry. I was stopped
2: dead in my tracks when I saw this picture the other day. It's a picture of Midtown Manhattan somewhere in New York. And it's a very professional-looking billboard, not a giant one. It's placed on top of a building that is a four-story, looks like about an 80-, 90-, 100-year-old brick building in uh, midtown Manhattan. And the sign says, if the salary is so competitive, why don't you tell me what it is? Oh, that's so uh, good. It's signed from all job seekers. So obviously, this is a post about people who are annoyed with some things at work. And you know what was really surprising? How many of the posts were around this? This is a, this is a picture of um, a letter posted somewhere in the workplace. Crew are not allowed to discuss their rate of pay. And somebody says, if an employer is posting that in the break room, there's some shady stuff going on. And there are probably five or six different posts. Now, they have all different ones, people complaining about one thing or another. For every minute you're late for work, you're going to be required to work 10 minutes after 6 p.m. And, you know, that sort of bullying thing. But about every fifth was, you are not allowed either. One of them said, you are not allowed to discuss what you are paid hourly on premises or off premises. Excuse me, you're telling them what what they can talk about when they leave work? No. My first
5: real job, I had to sign a piece of paper about disclosing salary. That you were not allowed to talk about. You would not talk
2: about you are You were not allowed
5: to discuss it with coworkers, that it was a fire in offense. And as soon as they slide that piece of paper across the desk, here's one thing you know for sure. Everybody around here is getting the shaft because you yeah. wouldn't need people to sign that paperwork if um, if things were fair. Uh, one of my best friends just found out, and she was not supposed to know this, that her peers in the company where she works, two of them, they're all on the same level, same job title, same everything. Two of the people on either side of her make 30% more than she does.
2: Whoa.
5: But they have one of those policies about talking about compensation. And so she's like stuck trying to figure out how to go to her boss and HR and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like 30% is so significant. It's substantial.
2: And they do the same thing.
5: The exact same thing. Same title, same amount. Actually, she has more experience. They've all been in the job roughly the same amount of time.
2: That was what I was yeah. going to ask. Has somebody been there for 10 years, and that's uh-uh. not the case?
5: So she she went to <laughs> another person in the company uh, mm-hmm. and talked and said it in confidence. And this person said to her, you're probably going to, when you bring this up, you're probably going to be told, well, shame on you for not negotiating better. <laughs> like
2: you're also. Be, there's a black mark now on your file, yeah. of HR, too, on top yeah. of everything, because they're gonna. Yeah. You know, here's what HR will do in most companies: they'll call whoever her supervisor is and say, "You know, Betty, um, Betty just put me in an uncomfortable position. I think we got, yeah, exactly. She's a troublemaker.
5: Troublemaker.
2: She's a troublemaker. troublemaker. That's exactly right. I was always. I surprised love that billboard that people, about
5: yeah. if the salary's so competitive. Tell us what it is.
2: I know, I know. I I was always so surprised. When somebody would get, um, in trouble or even worse, get kicked out the door because they called attention to a wrong in a company. Like my sister was working for a a movie production house years and years ago. And, um, the directors were from overseas and she was like 19, 20 years old. They were always trying to put cocaine up her nose and she does never did drugs. They were always putting the moves on the 19 year old. And finally, it was so intimidating that she went to the female head of the studio and said, this is happening. Can you help me? That woman was having none of it. And about a month later, my sister got the boot because of that. And then you and I worked with a lovely person who was um, treated poorly by her immediate supervisor. He was throwing things at her. She complained, and what happened to her? About six she months. Got later, she got how fired. She got fired. I was how so about surprised. about the one,
5: same company, which I would love to name, but I will not. How about the one who went to HR and reported being groped by her drunken superior and she got fired?
2: And she got fired too. Yeah. And the claim. Now, I could of see groping, that in my sister's era when my sister was 19. I this can only was, say I can see was it.
5: Post-me-too. This was post me too. This was post me
2: too. Right. This is within the the last two or three years.
5: And by the way, the guy that was groping her was groping everybody. So it wasn't like an isolated incident. He was groping McGrope-Grope. And um, and HR, and it was the HR department in this company was just basically a cardboard cutout and a joke. And we saw so many women, women fired from that company for, for um, going to HR about having stuff thrown at them, being called names, racist remarks, unwanted right. touching—they all
2: got. But gone. you, but you know what it was—the firing. It was slow walked. They slow walked the firing. It wasn't that day. It wasn't oh, that no, week. Uh-uh. They let it, they let it kind of simmer away, and then you know come in with some bogus claim that she's not doing wow. the job right.
5: karma is a beast because for what their stock is trading at you can't get a bag of m&ms out of a vending machine morons in the news is next then we're going to take you down the rabbit hole we have comedian killer bees we have the ghost of a woman who was truly one of america's first real housewives oh so scary in every way it's bob and sherry
6: let's go Harvesting idiots from around the globe. You
1: stupid moron.
6: It's Morons in the News with Bob and Sherry.
2: There is an episode of The Sopranos in which uh, one of the younger gangsters does a hijacking of a truck. And it's very scary because they grab the driver and they're, you know, hitting him with a gun. And they've got, I guess it was cigarettes. That was what they used to try to steal a lot in the New Jersey area going down 95. I don't even think that the Sopranos gang could pull this off. Three Florida men have been arrested for allegedly stealing. I'll tell you how much frozen meat in just a moment here. Their last names are Del Sol, and Dino and Fuentes. They're all from Miami. And they went up north. They went to South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, and Wisconsin. And they hijacked or stole one trailer load after another of meat. Because that, up north, that's a big meat processing area. And then they would drive the trucks, the stolen trucks, to the Miami area and somehow unload the meat. How much meat? Where's the beef? $9 million worth what? of frozen meat. What? So about five steaks? Yeah, <laughs> right. These days, $9 million worth. And also stolen merchandise that was about a ha- over a half a million dollars. Wow. I mean, that t- it takes your breath away. You've got to find the trailer trucks. They've got to be empty. you got to find a guy that's going to drive them you know, from the North down to the Miami area, then you have to, it just sounds exhausting. Why not do legitimate work and not end up in jail?
5: We've often said this about morons in the news, like the yeah. effort that they go to, to not just get a job and, yeah. and live a straight life. I know. is insane. All right, let's yeah. go to Waynesboro, Georgia, where a guy went to the drive through at McDonald's and became frustrated. Um, when he didn't get his order exactly the way he wanted it. He's wearing a Portland Trailblazers jersey and a white bucket hat. And police are still looking for him. He, he comes out of his car, puts his arms through the drive-thru window, snatches up a couple of small containers, and then throws some larger containers that clearly have liquid in them right in the face of the employee. And the employee, and we have the video, we're going to post it up at um, Bob and Cherry, the Bob and Cherry Facebook page. The employee is trying to fight the customer off to keep from being assaulted. Yeah. And without any success. So the Waynesboro, uh, Georgia police are looking for some help in capturing this moron of the day who clearly was not loving it. I'm loving it.
2: What a jerk. People, I mean, here's a, here, the, Throwing it at young people, probably, or, or elderly people who are making minimum wage. Now, minimum wage is better than it used to be, but it's still not going to really get you a brand new car or anything. That is just there's, so inappropriate.
5: There's no excuse. There's never an excuse no. for what this guy did. Right. It's McDonald's. Right. Hold your horses. Your food will get to you. Maybe it'll be right. Maybe it'll be wrong. But you knew that when you got into the drive through line. You don't get to assault an employee. That is morons in the news for today. Straight ahead, we're going to take you down the rabbit hole with some Halloween fun. It's Bob and Sherry.
4: Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone, or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second-chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys, setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay, dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami, or simply relaxing on Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry go. Down the rabbit hole.
5: With Halloween right around the corner, we thought it would be fun to get kind of nostalgic. So first we have for you an actual TV commercial that ran on all the networks in the 70s about Halloween safety.
6: Hey kids, here comes Peter
3: Pumpkin. For a safe Halloween, do what Peter does. Wear a light colored costume short enough so you don't trip. If you wear a mask, make sure you can see. Makeup's better. Makeup's better. Don't crisscross the street. Call on one side, then the other. Parents set boundaries and a time to be home. Carry a flashlight for extra safety. And let's all have a safe Halloween. Yeah,
2: well, I can't argue with any of that.
5: You know what was interesting about that is parents set a time to be home. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how many kids I've seen come to my door that didn't have parents standing behind them. Yeah. in the last, well, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually I, we didn't get very many last time I can remember, but, um, I mean the house that we're in now, we don't get anybody, but the, uh, I saw, the last time we had a few, we had like a gang of like five or six kids that looked like they were in fifth, sixth grade.
5: I saw another ad from the seventies for Duracell, the copper top mm-hmm. battery. And it was a mom talking about how she trusts Duracell batteries. It was a Halloween commercial because she knows that they'll last the night. And she puts a fresh set of copper tops into a flashlight and hands it to what looks like a five-year-old girl and sends (laughs) her off into the night to go (laughs) trick-or-treating.
2: No, you're not going to see that today.
5: I just thought, boy, that is something that you don't see today. Okay, now Mm -hmm. this one goes back even further. This is a trick-or-treat song. By a group called the Mellow Men. Have you ever heard of the Mellow Men, Bob? No. This one goes way back. Hit it, Max.
1: Drink a treat, drink a treat, drink a treat for Halloween give a treat that's good to eat if you want to keep life serene take a treat trick-a-treat take a treat trick-a-treat the whole night through little scalawags with penis gags can make it tough on you so when ghosts and goblins by the score ring the bell on your front door better not be stingy or your nightmare will come Trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat for Halloween when the pumpkin shells cast evil spells. (laughs) Your little white house turns green Your little white house turns green Your little white house, house, house turns green Every coast is a ghost. If you got a witch's brew And if you want your gate to circulate Oh,
2: oh
0: we can do that too Drink a
1: drink, drink a drink, drink a drink, drink a drink, drink a drink for Halloween when ghosts and goblins by the score ring the bell on your front door, you better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. So when ghosts and goblins by the score ring your bell or pound your door, better not be stingy or your nightmares will come
2: true. <laughs> In I don't think that's actually. But I think those were studio singers, studio musicians. What 19, were they pushing though?
5: Nineteen it was it was it ended up in a Disney movie, nineteen fifty-two. Uh, in the okay. year twenty twenty-two, Tobin Bell just signed to make another jigsaw movie. So things have changed very much from yeah, Trick or Treat quite a to bit trick or treat, you know,
4: to they, where we are. They right were an now. actual group. They yeah, were an actual group? The yeah, group. From, what the they, from... What were the, they called again? They were called the Mellow Men from the late 1940s until the mid-70s. Oh, I'll be mean, doggone. I had
2: never heard of them. The group you know what, the, you was, know what the subliminal message was? You better give them some candy, or they're going to do something to your house. That,
4: that was the, that was the message, basically. Yeah. The group <laughs> was founded by Thurl Ravenscroft. I know, funny name. But you My might Grinch. know him as the guy who sang, You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Mr. Grinch.
2: That's right. And and he was a studio singer, so I think they probably did a lot of studio work. So,
5: folks, just put fresh batteries in the flashlight and send your toddlers into the night.
2: Good luck (laughs) to them. They're going to
5: be fine. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, it's Sherry here. Just saying a giant thank you to everyone who reaches out and contacts the show. We try to read every email, every DM, every text. We do miss some. um, And I apologize for that. If you would like to be on the show or if something really wild has happened in your life and you'd like to be on the podcast you can reach us at hello at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I. Hello at BobandSherry.com. That's usually the most direct way, but however you reach out, thank you and thank you for listening. Who doesn't enjoy a little scandal, intrigue and salaciousness? I know I do. Restless Shores, a podcast soap opera, that will scratch your itch grab a cup or glass of your favorite beverage and take a break from your day to day after all what other podcast drama has more
0: clones and psychics than necessary
4: find restless shores wherever you get your podcasts
0: hi i'm dr kim the parentologist As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol. Use as directed and keep out of reach of children.
5: Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hi, Bob and Sherry. You may not know that we have an app, although I feel like we constantly scream it at you all the time. If you go to Google Play or the Apple App Store, the Bob and Sherry app is absolutely free, and it does all sorts of cool stuff. You can listen to our podcast and our oddcast that way. You can talk back to the show. You can text to win all sorts of neat stuff. It's just a cool thing, and it's absolutely free. It's the Bob and Sherry app in the App Store and free on Google Play. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast.
6: Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour 7 p.m. Eastern live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page tonight. It's Bob and Sherry.
5: Whoa, the people magazine with Matthew Perry on the cover got delivered to the house and I read the interview and even though we talked about it and I'd seen some stuff, you know, hit like the newsfeed and New York Post and all earlier, just sitting there in my house and, and reading about what he was going through during pretty much the entire run of friends was shocking. And it's, I I can't believe he's alive, Bob, honestly, what was it? 55 Vicodin or oxy a day.
4: Yeah. And then of course he had that thing that he almost died because his large intestine had burst because of, you know, the the residual effect of all those narcotics.
5: He sits Uh down with Diane Sawyer for um, a no holds barred interview. That's going to air tomorrow night. And Max has um, the teaser for it. You want to hear
2: that smile, that one of a kind charm, those Chandler wisecracks, Matthew Perry. Oh,
1: it's Diane Sawyer. Nice to see you.
2: Loved, adored by millions and millions. Now he's finally ready to tell you the story behind that smile. Secrets kill you. Secrets kill people like me. To the world outside it seemed like a perfect dream life. Number
5: one movie, number one television show.
3: It's the time I should have been the toast of the town. I was in a dark room meeting with nothing but drug dealers and completely alone. Success, fame, and a bone-crushing struggle with addiction.
5: You start with a thunderclap,
3: first page.
5: Hi, my name
3: is Matthew, although you may know me by another name. My friends call me Maddie, and I should be dead. Yeah, that's definitely true. Emotional, raw, brutally honest. You're on methadone, Xanax,
5: full quart of vodka day? Mm-hmm.
3: 55, like in a day. 55? Yeah. What he has never before shared. I was in a coma and, you know, escaped death. Really narrowly on friends. You said there were six friends, one of them was sick. Yeah. Behind the scenes on set, and the friends who tried to help Jennifer. Jenny, yeah. And she says, We know you're drinking. Yeah, imagine how scary a moment that was. She was the one that reached out the most. You know, I'm really grateful to her for
2: that and why now it was important to me to do something that would help people the diane sawyer interview
3: okay we'll do it again yeah let's do it again tomorrow oh (laughs) only different yeah but ask the same
4: questions
3: (laughs) (laughs) matthew perry the interview everyone will be talking about friday night october 28th at 8 7 central on abc
5: the, the People Magazine article interview was shocking in so many ways. When he talks about like how he was up to fifty five Vicodin a day, um, he describes how he couldn't enjoy any success. He could barely do his job because he it takes so many hours of your day to get fifty five Vicodin. He said, "I'm calling. I'm calling nurses. I'm calling doctors. I'm calling dealers." I'm lying about headaches, anything to get the pills. Like that, that was a full time job all by itself, just chasing that addiction. I I was shocked and so sad. And he he says, um, he says he's lucky to be alive. And he also said, look, you know, I have the gene for addiction, and I, you know, I, I have a disease. You know, I got I got unlucky that way. With all the other great luck, this was the place I got unlucky. It, it's shocking to think that all of this was happening pretty much in plain sight. And if you remember, the paparazzi would follow him around and, and you would see these photos that would show up in your feed or on, you know, the news or whatever. And he would look so disheveled and, and out I remember of it.
2: that? I remember that. Yeah. It, it began oh, all of a God. sudden because because, you know... His delivery on Friends, I I know there was a weight, uh, you know, variations, but his delivery was flawless. And his role in the whole nine yards, if you recall, I think he played a dentist, didn't he, that gets involved with uh, Mm -hmm. a hitman, Bruce Willis. And um, it was a tough role to play because you were kind of nerdy, but you had to be a little brave here and there. I mean, it was an intricate role for a a romantic comedy uh, adventure. And he he nailed it. And he was the first, as I mentioned, of those of those folks to come off of that show and have a hit movie. It's it really is shocking. Fifty-five Vicodin in a day. Good lord. It,
5: it makes you wonder, like thankfully he survived it, but it does make you wonder what might have been had he not been in the grip of addiction.
2: Oh, don't you know he thinks about that every day? You know, every that he does. Day. Yeah.
5: So yeah. there you go, coming yeah, up. We got killer bees. Yeah. We got Bob and Sherry's small plates. We're going to play the box office. It's Bob and Sherry.
4: Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone, or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second-chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys, setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay, dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami or mm-hmm. simply relaxing on Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and
6: Sherry. Happy Hour, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page.
2: You know, if something uh, kind of interesting or kooky happens in your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can get the uh, Bob and Sherry app wherever you get your apps. Uh, Hit the little microphone, record whatever you want to say, and we will put it on the air. You can also call 844-52-Sherry and leave us a message. If I were a listener, I would have called on what happened to me a couple of nights ago. So we had um, a person who is a uh, very um, talented uh, service person. I don't want to give the guy away. Uh, come to the house, and because we needed uh, a service performed, and so uh, he came like around after work, like around seven o'clock at night, and uh, he did whatever he had to do, and we uh, had agreed on a charge, except that the job was a lot easier than he originally thought. And so uh, I said, what do I owe you? And it was $150. I had cash, and I gave him the $150, which I thought, because he was only there, a very short amount of time was a little bit high. But, you know, people got to live. And so um, he thanked me, and everything was fine. And he fixed what needed to be fixed. And then I got a text message from him, About 10 minutes later, saying, I didn't realize that the hourly uh, charge, uh, the amount of time was not met. And so um, if you'll pick a place or if I could come back to your house uh, during the week, I'll give you $50 back. And I thought, he doesn't live anywhere near here. I don't want to have to go and meet him. I got a busy weekend. He's a nice guy. I said, you know, don't. Worry. I text him back. I said, don't worry about it. Uh, you did a good job. Take your wife out for, you know, a nice dinner or something like that. And he replied, "Thank you, sir. You are a true gentleman." And
5: <laughs> <sighs> that's a lovely compliment.
2: What? Yeah, it's a lovely compliment. But I mean, just between you and me. Is he trying out for, like, a remake of a 1940s drama? How old is the guy? You are a – how old was he? I would say he's about 40. You are a true gentleman, sir. I didn't know how to reply. I mean, they didn't have an emoji with uh, a tuxedo and a monocle, you know, which I guess (laughs) a true gentleman would have. (laughs) So, I I just let it go.
5: that's when you reply back as are you my good sir.
2: And you, you know I should have done that. Right.
5: And you let it go.
2: You know what it reminded me guy. of?
5: I love that guy. I love that. the guy
2: too. Thank you sir. You are a true gentleman. I don't think that he was being ironic or trying to be funny. I think he just felt at the moment that's what a civilized a cultured person would say. Like and you if read that
5: anyone that should be able to relate to that it's you this is this guy is you this guy is but, doing what you do and he's probably oh, because you never replied that. he because you never replied he's probably saying to his wife i feel like a complete tool you know i was just being played. Oh, why are
2: you doing and, this to me what why are you doing laying that on me and, stop and he it, never it right replied, now and he i he got replied, too much
5: because this is because this is what you would do. You would say something like, you are a true gentleman, and then you would hate yourself for it afterward. <laughs> Max, am I right? right but I'm I right. love this guy. Love this guy. Did you guy.
2: read, the, I know you read Cider House Rules, the John Irving book, right? Did oh, you yeah, read that? Yeah. It became the movie with, uh, who is the female lead in Cider House
5: Toby Rules? McGuire. Maguire. Was it Charlize Theron? Yes.
2: Charlize Theron, right. A, a, a terrific book and a terrific movie. And in the book, I laughed out loud when I read this line. There's a guy who's like uh, works for the doctor who runs this clinic in uh, in New England, in Maine. And he screws up. I guess he's like a groundskeeper. He screws something up, and he goes uh, to the doctor to say that he'd screwed something up. And the doctor is really played by Michael Caine in the movie. is very curt. He goes. Well, why did you do it that way? It's a simple job. And the guy says to him, because he's a doctor and this guy, you know, is a landscaper guy. He says to him, a thousand pardons, sir. And the Michael Caine character, a thousand pardons. Who says, who says a thousand pardons, pardons. And you and I, I think we're talking about it one day on the air and we're laughing. And for a while, I was saying to callers who would call in if I did something wrong, a thousand pardons. And everybody got a chuckle. That's what it reminded me of. Thank you, sir. You are a true gentleman. Oh, a thousand pardons. Who speaks like this? He's being
5: playful and probably, you know, didn't. Of all the people in the world, like this guy is your brother. Seriously. If anyone should be be able to relate to this.
2: I don't say things like that to people. I don't bow that deeply. I don't you do but he's when a hell being, of a plumber you know I, you well, do I when you're being there.
5: tongue-in-cheek you may not do it sincerely but you do do it playfully and maybe that's what he was doing too but the bottom line is is he came and fixed your clogged toilet or whatever and you gave him some money to take his wife out and everybody yeah. wins
2: yeah well i wanted to be a true gentleman that's why i learned you know just keep the money that's what i want to be known as a true, a true gentleman, gentleman sir yeah. sir <laughs>
6: yeah it's bob and sherry Bring whatever you drink and celebrate. Happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry.
2: It is time for Everybody Needs Laugh, and we're going to bring on Killer Bees this morning. Killer Bees was in our studio a few years ago, and I asked him how he got his name. And we will tell you that right after his set. Here we go. Killer Bees.
3: There's that. So, what else? Oh, I'm fixing to be Filthy rich. I'm fixing to be rich, rich, rich. Next, next, this time next year, I'm gonna come to town to buy everybody dinner.
6: <laughs>
3: I am gonna be so rich. Oh, I know, I'm suing Paula Deen. <laughs> I bought her cookbook, great cookbook, great recipes, but in the Paula Deen cookbook. Now, she owes me money for mental anguish <laughs> and a new kitchen, okay? I bought her cookbook in the cookbook It said, word for word, that I paid for it, that I should cover the bottom. Y'all, the bottom of the pan with grease. (laughs) You want to know what the fireman told me? (laughs) I meant the inside. I didn't know. I thought the pan would move around better on the stove. (laughs) High-performance cooking with (laughs) penzoil. And guys, guys, look, there's no delicate way to tell your wife that her kitchen is burning. You don't want to use those words because you're the stupid guy. There's the mental language. You're thinking fast. You're talking fast. You're saying stuff like, Honey, let's go way out in the yard and look at the wedding pictures. (laughs) all your jewelry <laughs> and the baby. Bring the baby. No, 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 don't bother your mom. She's laying down. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. So let me see. We got to get started with the show. They're going to be mad. <laughs> my wife wants me to get in shape. That's going on in my house. It wants me to work out. Do you work? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's on me. I spoke before I looked. I'm just <laughs> my wife saw so girls say, like, Don't you want to look good for swimsuit season? <laughs> no, I want to see good <laughs> for swimsuit season. <laughs> Forget planet fitness. I'm headed to Lens Crafters. <laughs> The gym one time. I went to the gym one time. Went to the gym with my wife one time. We were there like 30 seconds. I'm like, dang, honey, that first machine made my forearm cramp. She goes, Well, that was the doorknob. <laughs> she she bought me some Nike cross-trainers. To work out in Nike, and that's pretty kusha. But that's a good shoe. This buddy of mine goes, Dude, how do those shoes feel when you run in them? I'm like, They feel surprised. <laughs> they are panicked. <laughs> if I run in, my shoes are like, Give them the money. <laughs> she made me start drinking green juice. Do y'all drink green juice? You do not. You do not, it's plant vomit. <laughs> Oh my word, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with the green juice phenomenon, here's how it works. You get a blender, but it says juicer on the side because it's 75 more dollars. <laughs> and you put nothing but raw green stuff in there. Chunks of broccoli, spinach leaves, pine needles, dollar bills. <laughs> my wife wife goes, aren't you worried about your cholesterol? I'm like, my cholesterol is fine. My chlorophyll level is up to here. (laughs) Green juice ruined my golf game. You cannot putt when the sun is making your body lean toward it.
2: (laughs) That's Killer Bees. His his real last name is something like Beasley, and he'd do a little stand-up in front of his friends, and one of his friends was yelling, that's Killer Bees! Because that was his nickname, Bees. That's killer, Bees. And he said, "You know what? That's a better handle than my name." And he's been around. Oh, wow, that's a long, great time. story. Yeah, that's right.
4: It's Bob and Jerry. Yeah. At the Bob and Sherry Show, we love a good cat day photo. And we want to post your kitty best friend on our Instagram. Just send us a photo of your furry friend or you and your furry friend and you could see them on our socials. Plus, you could pick up some great swag, including a surprise catnip toy from Dr. Pussum's and your very own Bob and Sherry photo frame. Just submit your picks to BobandSherry.com on the contest tab. Every day is cat day from Dr. Pussum's and Bob and Sherry.
6: Happy hour tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page.
2: It is time now for Bob and Sherry's Small Plates. Interesting little stories from around the USA and the world that you may have missed. What is the most iconic t-shirt design of all time? I'm talking about a t-shirt with something on it. A logo something on it. What's the most iconic T-shirt design of all time? Smiley this face. This does not mean. This does That's not what I the was most iconic lo- logo. Uh, this is just you've seen it on so many people of so many different ages over the years. What did you say you, th- you thought it was?
5: I thought smiley. smiley- Max and, face. and I both thought smiley
2: face. Smiley face. That's a great guess, but it is not. It is the Rolling Stones tongue and lip logo. That is the most iconic T-shirt design of all time. The famous motif was created in the 1970s and was said to be created by designer John Pasch. He wanted to resemble Mick Jagger's own lips and capture the band's rebelliousness. It beat off the competition for the best-known T-shirt design, a well-known silhouette of Che Guevara, and that came in second. And third was the Hard Rock Cafe logo, which, you know, you see you see just everywhere. Did I ever tell you about the time I was in the Hard Rock Cafe and I watched what the owner did? He was leaning against the bar. This is in London where the first Hard Rock Cafe was. So somebody said to me, that's who I was with. I was with some English people. They said, that's the guy who owns the Hard Rock Cafe leaning against the bar in the black suit. And I went, oh, you're kidding. He said, no, he's married to Ringo Starr's first wife. I went, oh, that's interesting. And I was just kind of looking at him. And all of a sudden, about six to 10 uh, girls who were college age and had American accents came in and sat at a table not far from him. And he was looking at them. He snapped his fingers. He got a bottle of champagne. He went over to the table, told them, welcome to the Hard Rock Cafe, and poured them all a glass of champagne on the house. And I watched him and I thought to myself, they will all go back to the USA and they will say, when you go to London, you have got to go to the Hard Rock Cafe because of what happened to them. That That was was great marketing. A
5: a good investment in what was probably not great champagne, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, One in ten couples never share their bed, and they blame snoring and arguing for sleeping separately. So here's the deal. Just shut your mouth. You know, either way, just shut your mouth and you're (laughs) going to be okay. The Police Every Breath You Take music video has surpassed one billion streams on YouTube, making it the 225th video to achieve this huge milestone. Um, Every breath you take, one billion streams. You know what? You would have a heck of a life just living off the rights of that one, wouldn't you?
5: Just that one song. Yeah. Just just that that one one
2: song. We miss Queen Elizabeth already. She's gone, of course. And um, here is something that I did not know about Queen Elizabeth. When she was alive and living in Buckingham Palace, she was awakened every morning at 9 a.m., by bagpipes. The bagpiper would come below her window and bagpipe his bagpipes for 15 solid minutes to wake her up. You know what jumped out at me? Nine o'clock. It is good to be queen. You
5: know what jumped out at me? Took 15 minutes of bagpipers to get the old girl up. (laughs)
2: So relatable. You know, most of us, after about 30 seconds, would be up, wouldn't we? And diving for the window. Okay, I'm up. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And finally, on uh, small plates, this is a quote that has not been heard for many, many years, but I ran across it, and I think it's so true. It's from Gandhi. And Gandhi said, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's grief. So there you are, small plates. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry.
0: From sleep training to sex tips. If you have questions, I have answers. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Kim, your confidant and host of the Parentologist Podcast. Each week on the show, we dig into relevant topics related to everything parenting, marriage, current events, and mental health. You'll feel like you're in the room and part of the conversation. So please join me and get your weekly dose of expert-level advice and resources from me and my guests in a relatable, easy-to-digest way. Find the Parentologist Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Do you like fun? If
4: yes, then visit BobandSherry.com Our new, improved, and easier to navigate website featuring our guest bloggers.
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Green. Join me every Wednesday for Mom Outnumbered as I brave the minefield of raising a family while maintaining a sense of humor and I attempt to make it through at least mostly unscathed.
4: Oh, it's great. It's this website that's got like everything.
0: BobandSherry.com Hi, this is Allison Stellner. Join me every Monday in the Zen Den as I navigate the peaks and valleys of this crazy journey called life.
1: It appears that the website has become alive. Hey, it's the People's Movie Critic. Check out my reviews at BobandSherry.com.
4: Their website is so easy. BobandSherry.com and all the Bob and Sherry podcasts, including the Oddcast and Fun Size. I probably have
1: to go shopping now.
4: And you can't. Just hit shop for the Bob and Sherry store for Cooking with Cats, the mother of all mothers merchandise, and the other Bob and Sherry stuff.
5: The website to
4: website. It's new and improved. The Bob and Sherry website, sherry.com.
5: It is time now for the People's Movie Critic.
1: I'm assuming that the majority of people have Netflix, okay? Except, of course, our Amish listeners, Caleb and Obesta, who can't because they don't have electricity. <laughs> <laughs> they spend all their time baking shoe fly pie and playing Wink or whatever. I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> You know, you got to understand, if you're easily offended, this movie is not for you. Lars's terrible accent, though, you ask about that, it seems to come and go. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose, because that would be funny, or if he's just lazy and he wanted to get this thing over with. I know for a fact I did. I wanted to get this over with.
2: You're going to love this. Let me, let me ask you, though, is 11 minutes and 40 seconds worth of a fight scene a little tiring? Not if you ain't the ones fighting.
5: I'm... I think that's a fair point.
4: Listen for his reviews every Friday and get all his reviews at bobandcherry.com.
6: Hour tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. You
2: know, I've talked many times about how I really didn't have any relationship at all that uh, was worthwhile with my grandparents. A little bit with Shay Shay, my grandmother, but uh, not all that much. We were not close, and my other grandparents had passed away by the time I was like three years old. So uh, when I see a uh, grandma, a nana, a nanny, and she's really kind of a hoot, I can find myself stopping and just watching her. Like I had a friend who had a grandmother, and we were uh, over at his house once, and she drove up. She was a widow. She drove up in a bright red Mustang convertible. The white hair, she had the shock of white hair. I guess she was somewhere in her mid-60s. And I went, wow, that's your That's your grandmother, and she was a hoot. She came in with an art kit and started doing watercolors and gave one out to everybody. And I just thought, how cool is it to have a a grandmother who is that neat, that with it? And that really made me stop at a post that I saw about a woman named Mary LaMorte, who's also known as Nana, and um, her post has gone viral for being the sassiest grandmother She ranks her 10 grandkids on a ranking board hanging on her wall. So her kids gave her this this board, and they all included magnetic pictures of themselves and the numbers 1 through 10. So when you go over to grandma's house, you walk in, you take a look at the board, and you can see where you're ranked by grandma, 1 to 10. And one of, the, uh, one of the grandchildren is a guy named Dan. He's a New York-based comedian. He's 27 years old. And he said, I'm very proud that I am in the number four spot, but I'm worried about falling because I just got several tattoos and I don't know what that's going to do to my ranking. This is the greatest thing. I don't even care if I was number 10. As long as I was ranked on grandma's ranking board, I would want to go see her more. It's brilliant <laughs> on her part, you know, cause I'd be thinking eh, it's been about 10 months. I was number seven, but you know what? So-and-so my cousin, Jill, she's been acting up. She broke up with her boyfriend just before that wedding. And I know Nana was thinking about going, I'm going to go over there and see her and see where her ranking is right now. It's a hoot. And it's right. As you come through the door, the front door of, of her house, you they look to the right and see their ranking.
5: I'm sad that you didn't have a grandma like this—a grandma yeah. that where every kid in the family deeply believed that they were her favorite. Every one of us believed we were the favorite. Yeah, and she managed to keep that. That was her version of ranking. You never had that.
2: I and didn't. That's really and, sad. I, and you know what? Though you don't know what you don't have sometimes. It never really impacted me until I became older and I started reflecting on, you know, other people's lives and what was, you know, just not a part of mine at the time. I think it, I think it, um, I think it affected me in different ways. Like our family was not big on birthdays. Uh um, Shay, Shay would come over ever, every so often, but by that time, I mean, I was out the door at 16 and a half. Um, I, I never really got that big family holiday spirit get together thing. Once nope. I hit about 11 and we lost, um, you know, contact with other family members for a variety of reasons, I have carried on not being as open To uh, relationships, as perhaps I would have been if I had come from a family that was like I just described.
5: There was no like easy, warm, spontaneous affection in your family
2: either. No, there wasn't. No, there really wasn't. And and
5: that makes me, I'm very, like, I come from, even though they're crazy, I come from very um, warm, affectionate, demonstrative people. Yeah. I've been that way with my kids. And with all the little ones in our family, like I can't imagine that feels so cold to me. And I know that there's, there's not a lack of love. You don't need to defend that, but just, you know, nobody grabbing your face and giving you big kisses and scooping you up. And like, that's just is sad to me,
2: not even my parents. I mean, they came from people, uh, actually my mother came evidently from what she told me, uh, some loving people and they would have loved me and my brother and so on, my sister Um, but, um, on my father's side, I mean, it was very, I know it was the depression all, but it was, it was just very businesslike, not stern all the time, but serious all the time. There was no playfulness. Um, and I think that I craved that and that might've been why I'm, I was driven to do what I do and, and date people and, um, and have the wife that I have now who is very loving, um. You know, she's she's given to me what I didn't have previously.
5: Including a good spanking when you're naughty, because you can be very, very naughty. Now you go sit in the sassy chair, mister, while we get ready for what's going Oh, I was born the in the Bob sassy chair.
2: chair. The I Bob work in the chair, sassy
5: so. chair. It's Bob and Sherry.
4: Hey, you can upgrade your mixology game with Venus Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes. If you'd like to win a class for you and a friend, just go to BobandSherry.com. That's B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. And hit the contest tab. And hit the contest tab. And it's the perfect holiday gift. Venus Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes with Bob and Sherry.
6: It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast podcast on the free Bob and Cherry app. Well, um, it
5: seems so infrequent that famous people suffer any real consequences for their words and actions, but Kanye West has apparently lost one point two billion of his two billion dollar fortune and has been delisted on like the Forbes billionaire list. He's lost his deal with Adidas. He's lost his deal now with Foot Locker. And let's just pause here. Foot Locker Locker has been around longer than any of us have been alive.
2: It's true. One of the mall staples.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many stores are are not able to make it in the world of malls closing down and everything going online. Round of applause for Foot Locker for somehow hanging in.
2: Was Foot Locker the one where the employees were dressed as refs with yeah. black I and white so. stripes? Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right.
5: Anyway, they yanked um they yanked all the product and said we will not be featuring any Kanye West product here at Foot Locker. And of course, you know Adidas is gone. 1.2 billion dollars. Um can you imagine, Bob, what it would be like to wake up and know that you had said some things so despicable that he, that billion of your wealth had been wiped out overnight?
2: Well, evidently, I already have because we don't have that on the Bob and Sherry show. Somewhere along the way, I've said despicable things. You know what's interesting? And, you know, because we don't live in that world of uh, great wealth, when you hear that somebody is worth $2 billion, in this case, Kanye West, you always think that they have that money in the bank or in stocks, but... According to this report, it's based on future contracts and earnings.
5: Well, he makes a ton of money off of fashion stuff, sneakers and clothes. Yeah. Like he he makes money off of music and touring, but the real crazy money is coming in on these other um. But products.
2: the contracts the, the the contracts were canceled. You know, that money was not in his bank account yet. It was just agreed upon. So when they say when, you know, you lose over a billion and a half dollars, whatever it is, it was on money that was uh, coming his way, which will not be coming his way. Either way, it's breathtaking.
5: Now, in in equally.
2: And and really racist.
5: Um, hes I mean, some hate speech. In other equally shocking news, a woman named Beverly Baker showed up at a house in, in Pasadena. She's 65, by the way with a giant pickaxe like something you'd see in a movie Whoa. about the gold rush
4: Whoa.
5: and began destroying the house with the pickaxe why inside the home was a grandmother babysitting a 6 week old baby and the outfit that this woman is wearing when she comes for the house in, in a pickaxe mm-hmm. you see her mm-hmm. you see her on like the family's ring uh, doorbell She's mm-hmm. wearing like a floor length green skirt that sweeps mm-hmm. the ground and a long sleeve black shirt. So she looks like a haunting, right? She broke a window. The grandmother was alone with the baby. She was screaming. She was, she, and the woman with the pickaxe was like s- s- slamming into the house, questions, anyone slamming into the house again. Um, can I give you the reason? No. I, I know they don't have the reason. Pasadena police arrested her and charged her with many, many, many things. And I believe she's getting a mental health evaluation. But what was the reason? There's no reason that anybody can name for a complete stranger coming at your house with a pickaxe.
2: Just complete craziness. Listen, Just since com- we're doing unusual stories that, that are happening right now, this was the headline that uh, grabbed me. The world's dirtiest man dies in Iran at the age of 94 after not having bathed in 60 years.
5: You know what happened? The villagers finally forced him to bathe and then he died.
2: He died three months after he had the first bath.
5: Yeah. I'm not saying the bath killed him.
2: How could it? He was 94 years old. His nickname was was the world's dirtiest man. Uh, 60 years without taking a bath. He was covered in soot, living in a cinder block shack. He was was a hermit. Um, I don't know what to say about him. They say he had some setbacks in his youth that led him to refuse to wash. But, you know, you got to be impressed by the age of 94, one way or the other.
5: I always admire someone who takes a stand and then lives it. Right. Now, I, I don't want to be his roommate. No. That's for sure. And, and I don't w- and he kind of lived like a hermit, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he ate roadkill, Which, and I don't even want to tell you what by the way, he smoked his pipe every single day. And I don't even want to tell you what he was filling the pipe with.
5: I, I know what he was you filling with. You know what it is? Woo, I do honey. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do your yeah. cigarettes taste different lately? Yeah. So, uh, God bless him. That's a long life. Well,
5: now we yeah, have to know. tell so that people don't think he was smoking hash. He was smoking dried animal excrement. Right. Folks, you really have a thing for smoking. If you're smoking
2: you really dried do. poop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at that point,
5: right. we have to we have to look at, yeah. do you have an oral fixation? Is there something else we could consider yeah. so yeah. that you don't have to smoke dried dung? <laughs> ah! All right. <laughs> it's totally so good
2: really good dump yeah right that's right max
5: straight ahead a terribly true and truly terrible ghost story and if you live in this town you might still bump into this lady the first real housewife of anything what an attitude it's next it's bob and
4: sherry You read it once don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Cherry's. I not believe this. Shit. I cannot Just, believe this. Shit.
5: Let's talk about the legend of Lavinia Fisher. She was born in 1793 and she married a guy named John Fisher. And the two of them opened a hotel called the Six Mile Wayfarer House. It was called that because it was six miles outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And in the early 1800s, when John and Lavinia were managing their hotel, there began to be many reports of men who just vanished, who just went missing, disappeared. And local authorities began investigating, but they were unable to solve the mystery. Of course, you know, this is back in the 1800s. There are no phones. There's no internet. You know, there's no... There's no mass communication or mass transit. You know, you would get on your horse or get in your horse and buggy and go on a journey. And -hmm. then if you never came back, it was just a great big mystery. Now, Lavinia was very beautiful and very, very charming. And that was a big asset when you're in the hospitality business, right? You know, running that Mm -hmm. hotel. And six miles outside Charleston, you know, a little bit of a challenge. As you know from your dad's restaurant, Schlosser's Countryside-by-the-Sea. When you're out on the bypass, it can be hard to make a go of it.
2: It can be dicey.
5: But again, all these missing, disappeared men. And so one night, a gentleman named John Peoples traveled from Georgia to Charleston, and he was exhausted from his long trip on horseback. And he came upon the six-mile wayfarer house, and he went inside to see if there was maybe a room he could have for the night. And there was the beautiful, friendly, gracious Lavinia who told him, I'm so sorry, we don't have a room available, but rest for a while. Let me give you some tea and a meal. And her company was apparently so charming. She was just beautiful and gracious. And it was weird because he felt like her husband, John Fisher, was kind of strange. He caught him staring at him and he just was uncomfortable, right? But he was answering Lavinia's questions and they were getting along great and she abruptly excused herself and came back and brought him a fresh pot of tea and said, it turns out that a room has become available. And she pours him the cup of tea. So John Peoples didn't like tea, which was kind of rare back then in the, in the uh, newly formed United States. Everyone was tea drinkers, especially in the South. But John didn't like it, so he didn't want to drink it. And when she wasn't looking, he poured it out so that she wouldn't think he was rude. And then eventually she showed him to his room. And after she left and he was alone in the room, he began thinking, there's something wrong here. Like, am I being set up to be robbed? Why were they asking me so many questions? And I, I think I may have said too, much, said, some, said too much. And he was very, very nervous. So he decided that he would not go to bed. He wanted to stay alert. And he sat in a chair by the door. And eventually he dozed off. And that's when a loud noise suddenly awakened him. He woke with a start like you do. And he opened his eyes. And the room where the bed had been, there was a deep hole beneath the floor. And John Peoples felt strange. And he realized that his meal had been drugged with some sort of sleeping potion. Hmm. And now there's a hole where his bed was. He jumped out the window, grabbed his horse, and galloped at full speed to Charleston, where he immediately went to the authorities. And they came out to the six mile wayfarer house and they searched it and they arrested John and Lavinia Fisher. There were hidden passages, stolen items that could be traced to dozens and dozens of missing men. They found tea that was laced with um, a sleeping medication. A mechanism that could be op- could be triggered to open the floorboards beneath the beds, and in the basement, hundreds of human remains.
1: Wow. The Fishers pleaded
5: not guilty to everything, but the magistrate ordered them to stay in jail until their trial. And at the trial. Even though they pled innocent, the jury found them guilty of multiple robberies and multiple murders and sentenced them to hang. But they were given time to appeal the conviction. And during that time, while they were appealing their conviction, they made a plan to escape the prison because they were allowed to be together in the same cell. And of course, this is back in the day when, you know, we didn't have great prison security. So on the 13th of September that year, They tied their bedsheets together and they made a rope just like in Bugs Bunny cartoons. (laughs) And they dropped the rope out the window of the cell and John Fisher made it out. But the rope made of sheets broke and Lavinia was trapped in the cell. John was so in love with his wife that he would not escape without her. So he returned to the jail. And after that, they kept them under much, much, much tighter security. Finally, it's the eve of the execution and they send a preacher In to talk to the couple. John Fisher begs the priest to help save his soul. But Lavinia is like, away with you. I will have nothing to do with you and your God. And so the next day, it's time for the public hanging, which was a thing in America where people would, it was like a freaking festival. People are so bloodthirsty and deranged. They would bring picnics and their children and like there'd be music. It was insane, y'all. It was insane. John Fisher asked for their crowd's forgiveness, and then he went to meet his maker. But Lavinia, girl, I don't think so. The original real housewife of Charleston demanded that she be hanged in her wedding dress. She refused to walk to the gallows. They had to pick her up and carry her there. She was screaming at the socialites in the crowd who she blamed. You're so jealous of me. You're jealous of my beauty. You're the reason I'm going to be hanged. And then, before the executioners could tighten the noose, Lavinia Fisher said to the crowd, if you have a message you want sent to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. And then she jumped off the freaking scaffold and hanged herself. Onlookers there said they'd never seen such a chilling, wicked look on any woman's face as they did on Lavinia Fisher. Some people say she was America's first female serial killer. And many people in Charleston say to this day, her ghost roams the streets.
2: How is that not a movie?
5: And that, y'all, is the legend of Lavinia Fisher. Today's spooky season update. How is that not a movie? We'll post it up on the Bob and Sherry Facebook. This is Bob and Sherry.
4: It's the Bob and Sherry off-air podcast called The Oddcast. Podcasting. Podcast With stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Spooky season continues on The Oddcast and coming soon on Halloween Day. We're dropping an episode with one of our listeners who has pictures of their haunting in a castle. The Bob and Sherry off-air podcast. The Oddcast.
1: We got a big
6: podcast to do here.
4: Get it now on the free Bob and Sherry at BobandSherry.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Bring whatever you drink and celebrate. Happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry.
2: It's time now for the Bob and Sherry Wayback Machine. Let's get right in and go back, 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 back. I want you to go back to your childhood. Not everyone can do this because not everybody had this experience, but some of you did and you remember it so well. So there you are in the back seat of your parents' car and you're going on a trip with your mother and father in the front seat driving. And the trip is going to be over four and a half hours. It might even be six hours. You're going to see relatives or maybe it's, as my Parents called it the big vacation. What is the child's cry from the back seat that drives or drove so many parents out of their minds?
5: Are we there yet?
2: Are we there yet is the answer. Well, guess what, folks? Parents do not hear that anymore. Four in ten say that their kids are glued to tablets or other in car entertainment and they are just fine. And not only that, they're not playing those traditional games like punch buggy that, you know, my kids would play, and they're not even asking where the next, you know, gas station is because they can look it up and say, "Hey dad, there's a gas station coming up in about 10 miles I got to go or a McDonald's or whatever."
5: Yeah, it does make it easier when you have to drive 9 hours with them in the back seat,
2: but mm-hmm. um I think that
5: I think that boredom boredom is the um, fertile field in which creativity is grown,
2: and I I think think there's
5: a lot a lot to be said for being bored.
2: My brother and I knew we had to shut up because the payoff. The family had been talking about this trip for like six months, and I didn't want to blow it. Where my old man would say. I'm not listening to that. We're going to turn this around and go back to North. No, I don't want to go back to North Haven. No, please. But kids today, man, they got all of that electronics. They're watching movies. They're watching TV shows. They're playing games. It's like they're in their own room.
5: If I had done to my children, even one of the things that I experienced as a child, they would have alerted the authorities and they would have been taken from me. Yeah, And just, just, I could just pick like standard road trip behavior because my parents would, um, drive back and forth from Wyoming to the East coast and they would do it with, they would take turns driving. Nope. They would not stop except for gas. Right. And so they would chew no Mm -hmm. dose and chain Mm -hmm. smoke cigarettes and trade off the steering wheel and they would drive 2200 miles in (laughs) two days. Right. They would sometimes stop at a truck stop, like in the middle of the night, and my brothers and I were not allowed to leave the car. We, we were given the impression as children that we were basically savage, that we were unfit for company, and that we would do nothing but disgrace our parents if we were seen in public. I don't know how they conveyed that, but that's what we believed about ourselves. So they would disappear into like a Stuckies in Illinois at 2 a.m. And my brothers and I and the dog would be waiting in the car and they would come back and they would give us like the, the leftover toast.
2: Yeah. That and we would, have to share, we would have to yeah, share that with the dog. Yep. I
5: want you to imagine me telling my girls, you cannot get out of this car. You're an embarrassment. And then here's some toast, but you have to give half of it to the dog.
2: You know what's really would,
5: they would have called 911 it would have been crazy
2: You know it's really funny I know your parents didn't have any money I understand that but they probably had enough to come up with an $85 a night room somewhere And all the kids would either sleep on the floor or pile into the other bed And the funny thing is the kids would have remembered that night and that hotel for the rest of their lives as one of the most glamorous places on earth, free ice and a vibrating bed.
5: Any kid can have that. We had cold toast in the back of a Chevy Malibu in the middle of the night on the interstate with a flatulent dog. Now that's a childhood memory that's unique for me and my brothers. All right, let's jump out of the Wayback Machine and go... Forward,
0: forward. 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 forward,
4: forward, 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 it's Bob and Sherry. It's the Bob and Sherry Store's Sizzling Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything in stock is on sale, 10% off. 10% off. Including Sherry Lynch's cookbook, Cooking with Cats. And swag you can use, like Bob and Sherry 24-ounce latte mugs, travel mugs, H2Go water bottles, and our very hotline of Mother of All Mothers merch, including tote bags, candles, wear-around tea and sleep shirts. 10% off. It's the Sizzling Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything is 10% off. Just hit. Shop at BobandSherry.com and use the discount code PODCAST at checkout. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault.
2: And we want to bring on our buddy Lamar right now. Yeah, yeah. When I
1: I was a kid, I lived 12 miles out of town. Lived on a 100-acre farm. You know, neighbors were, you could see their houses. But, you know, it was a very rural community. Mm -hmm. And I used to trick-or-treat out there. And a couple of times, I went uptown with some friends of mine. And trick-or-treating in the city is absolutely 100% different from trick-or-treating in the country.
2: Now, what city we talking about? I know the country part was Georgia. What city <laughs> we talking about here?
1: Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Trick-or-treating in the town. What okay, was, the the t- no, was the name of the No, what's the name of the city? Hartwell, Georgia. What? Hartwell, Georgia.
2: Hartwell, Georgia. Hartwell, Georgia, the city. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> And and, and maybe that was the city. I I understand. I understand. When when you do the city thing or the town thing, you're out there on the sidewalks. There's billions of kids running around, and you go up, and you trick-or-treat, and uh, they come to the door, and they hand you a a Tootsie Roll or a Tootsie Pop, and they say, oh, you look so cute, and send you on your way. You work yourself to death. It's like minimum wage trick-or-treating. You're working yourself for nothing. In the country, my mama would get my costume on, which always (laughs) consisted of the hobo, because I put that black stuff on my face and a necktie and a stupid hat, you know, whatever. There was never a cool costume. Yeah, yeah. And she put me in the car, and we would drive down the road. We'd turn off on the driveway, and it'd be about 100 yards to the house. There'd be one light on on the porch. You would pull up. You would walk out. You'd knock on the door. The door would open. It'd be an older lady or a gentleman or whatever. Be a couple there, and they would go, "Oh my gosh, let's guess who this is." Blah blah blah, and then they would take the bowl and they would dump it into your bag. The whole (laughs) bowl would go into your bag. Are you kidding me? Oh, and I'm not talking Tootsie rose I'm talking full-size uh, Butterfingers and Baby Roots. They would just dump stuff in there. Because yeah. they didn't get that many they didn't, trick-or-treaters. Oh, is
2: that the scam that they wouldn't get that many and that the, toward the end of the night they'd dump it all?
1: But see, we, you know, I mean, the point is, they would never have more than four or five, so when you, everybody got a big chunk. Listen, I had extra rocks in the car, and I'd get, to get out my bag go to the next house. And the cool part about being in the country is, the, the upside is, you get a bowl of candy with every stop. The downside is, you couldn't wind up with duct tape in somebody's basement. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you are out in the country. I mean, you, know, you spend the rest of the evening in the crawl space, but, you know, my mama's but, in the car, so I'm pretty sure she can have but it. But as
5: a kid, but, when you're weighing, being captured and put in the crawl space versus a bowl of candy,
2: you'll that roll it. feels
5: like a worthwhile risk.
1: You'll
2: roll the dice on that, we'll that one. Tell
1: you something child molester wants to get between me and a full-size baby roof let me just go ahead and tell you let me ask
2: let me ask you going as a bum i don't know if we talked about this before but one of us here went as a bum and used uh, in somebody's mama or daddy used some ashes from their cigarettes to put on the bum's face my
5: parents did that to my brother was that right your brother yeah. What my mama did is she'd take a, a,
1: a melmac plate, you know, one of those plastic plates. That was our good uh, dinnerware. Yeah. And she would hold it up and she would run a candle under it and get it all smoked up and get all the smoke under there. And then she'd wipe the black off the bottom of it. She'd wipe it across. Yeah, you're doing it as and- dirt,
4: though. I just want to make sure that we're clear about that. That you're, that that, that you're just putting dirt on your face, right? What, yeah, what, what else yeah, would it be? It was
1: the smoke off of a candle, and, and she put it on my face. and then
4: Right,
2: right, right.
1: Yeah, that would be my beard, and I, you know, that'd be it. It was pretty much, that was my standard costume. That was it. That was the standard costume. But, man, we made a haul. I thought I, mean,
2: I thought you were going to say you and a couple of buddies would go down these country roads and knock on a cabin or something like that, and a scary guy came out or something like that. Let
1: me go ahead and say where I live, you go down a dirt road knocking on somebody's cabin messing around, you get shot. This was straight up this was straight trick-or-treat. But it was so funny. There was no decorations. That one had that one light on the porch, that little yeah. bulb light on the yeah. porch. Yeah. And you'd walk up to it and hold the bag out. And, buddy, there she goes. I mean, and if that, was
2: awesome. if that light wasn't on, you didn't go. That meant, oh, no, uh-uh. No, no, oh,
1: yeah. No, 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 no. That's that, how you, you get shot. If you went to a house without a light, you would wind up
4: with duct tape. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Tape. There it is lamar well told are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip bob and sherry want to make it right by giving you five thousand dollars to plan a second chance honeymoon in the florida destination of your choice because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of florida so what will you choose An island escape in the Florida Keys, setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay, dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami, Uh or simply relaxing on Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to bobandcherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry.
6: The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Sherry app.
5: I want to shout out one of our listeners who um, left a comment on an Instagram post on my Instagram. So you can follow Bob and Sherry on Instagram, but I'm, you know, we're all, well, not all of us, I guess Bob is not on Instagram, but I'm Sherry Lynch one, the number one on Instagram. And it's mostly cats and babies. But if you're into that sort of thing, Anyway, I posted a Throwback Thursday photo a week or so ago, and it was a picture that I found in a box that one of my friends who was a photography major took, and it's me on a beach at sunset, but you can't – I'm silhouetted because the sunset is behind – me. there's like a mountain, and the sun is going down, and there's the ocean – And of course, like everybody, when they're a teenager or not, maybe not everybody, but most of us, when we're teenagers, we think of ourselves as these grotesque, hideous monsters that should be shot on sight. And so I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, oh, I wasn't nearly as gruesome as I remember, (laughs) at least not in this picture. So I posted it as um, a throwback photo and I want to shout out Jenny Jane Fredericks who commented, your head doesn't look so big with your arms up. Which I I think that's a fair point, you know, with, I have my arms up over my head and so it does conceal the magnitude of my, my skull. She said, I've left nice comments and I've never heard my name on the radio as a listener and I've been faithful for 24 years. I've almost twice divorced just to be like you and Bob. (laughs) So Jenny Jane Fredericks, thank you for listening all that time. And I'm sorry. I hope you hear this. I hope you listen to this show today and you hear this as we, we shout you out. Um, and you know, when I think about it, Bob, when I was thinking about Jenny's comment, I was thinking about how we forget sometimes that we're on the air and we have probably disclosed so many things that if anybody was really keeping track, we'd be horrified at how much of our private life is just out there kind of floating around, you know, as I, as I run through husbands like a chainsaw <laughs> through a freshly fallen tree. Like it's all out there and we don't realize. Sometimes um, it'll be a weekend or it'll be a holiday and I'll listen to the best of Bob and Sherry or I'll listen to Bob and com, which is our 24-7 streaming station where we have all kinds of stuff from our archives playing. And I'll be driving along or washing dishes or whatever, and something will come on, and I will freeze and look at the radio and go, oh, my God, what were we thinking?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was The out show uh, from the get-go has always been a very comfortable atmosphere. You can go into some ra- – well, not so much these days, but a few years ago, you can go into a radio studio, and everybody looks so uncomfortable and uptight. You know, there there was, there's the, as soon as you key the mic, it says on air and uh, do not come in here with food, no visitors allowed. And there's all these people who are sitting on these uh, bar stool type uh, chairs, which are uncomfortable. We designed the studio when we were in just one studio to be just like you're sitting around a dinner table, uh, a rectangular dinner table. And I think that atmosphere, along with some comfortable chairs and just an attitude that yeah, you don't like it too bad for you. Um that made comments that were more um revealing. Um n- n- I don't want to use the word possible, but uh made it happen. It was it's well, just the atmosphere and then take it another level. I mean, I'm sitting here with a black t-shirt, jeans, a labradoodle under my feet in in my uh, sunroom, you know? I feel like I could have a friend come over, sit down in the uh, chair here, and I would just say, Yeah, so what have you been up to? It's just the atmosphere that the show has created, which is not like a, a lot of radio shows. You hear some of these radio shows, I don't listen to them very often, but once in a while on a day off. And everybody's, sh- there's like five people in the studio, first of all, and they're shouting at each other. And it, it's not conversational. When, when it's conversational, you are going to be led to disclosing a little bit more
5: <laughs> apparently and you forget like we for, cuz we're just talking to each other we're talking amongst ourselves or to um mm-hmm. Lamar whatever and you forget that it's being broadcast and and I was thinking about this after I saw Jenny's um comment and laughed but one thing you know I was at the grocery store and um a listener came up to me and she was like I just feel like I know you guys and I said, well, you do. That's the thing. Like, you actually do. Now, it's not fair because you know every stupid, <laughs> embarrassing, awkward thing that we've done and all the ways we've made mistakes and every, every screw-up, you know. And we don't, we don't know any of those about you. Like, it's so unfair. Like, I'm looking at you and you look like you have your life 100% together. And you know, looking at me, that I don't. And that's lit the part that's unfair. And we were laughing about it. But it's true. It's definitely true. And so thank you, Jenny Jane Fredericks. And I'm really glad that you didn't get divorced twice
2: just to be yeah. like
5: us. Uh, not that as is much not, fun as you would think.
2: Not yeah, as much all, fun as you would think.
5: Of all of the things you might want to copy, that's, that's the mm. most painful and expensive one. Right. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Do not right. do it, Jenny. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry.
6: Happy hour tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. I saw a video
5: from a couple of um travel bloggers. They're Australian, and they stayed at America's Most Dangerous Airbnb, which I didn't know existed. It costs $1,550 a night. It's located off the coast of North Carolina. It's an Airbnb on an oil rig in the middle of the ocean. Would you stay there?
2: Whoa. Um, Here- yeah, I think so. It is it is dangerous. Uh, oil men are lost, not all the time, but occasionally out on those rigs.
5: Well, here's how it takes two hours um, to get there via boat. And you can only bring very minimal amounts of luggage or stuff on board with you. And in order to get from the boat to the Airbnb that you're going to stay in on top of the oil rig, you have to be um, harnessed into something called a bosun's chair. Mm -hmm. And then you're hoisted like (laughs) many feet into the air to get Mm -hmm. just to the front door. So the the Airbnb, it's primarily used for... um, people doing like deep sea research and, you know, serious like mariners, but you could stay there. You could go and rent this place, take the two hour boat ride, take the ride in the Bosun's chair, which you were in the Weren't you in like the junior naval cadets? What is a Bosun's chair?
2: The Bosun's chair, I think, and I could be wrong. There's probably Coast Guard people who uh, will correct me, but I think especially uh, in the 1800s or sometime like that, it was just this little chair and somebody would, uh, take a rope and haul you up to where you would sit. You're kind of the lookout, uh, on top of a mast. I think, does that sound yeah, right? It, it
4: says that you're a suspended from a rope to perform work aloft.
2: Yeah, so it could be spotting, uh, you know, land hoe or perhaps uh, looking for rocks or whatever. Uh,
5: well, at- l- listen to how cool this place is. There are eight bedrooms and two bathrooms, which is probably way more than you thought there was going to be on top of this oil rig. And mm-hmm. when you look down, you can see sharks and barracuda circling around mm-hmm. the like, struts or legs of the rig. So what can you do on the at this Airbnb for $1,500 a night? Um, obviously they, you can go fishing like deep sea fishing. They have walkways that run around the entire rig.
0: Um, they have
5: biodegradable clay targets that you can do skeet shooting with. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's, if the ocean is not too rough, you can go snorkeling or scuba diving. They, they load you up with biodegradable golf balls. If you want to, um, hit golf balls into the ocean while you're up Mm -hmm. there, there's a fire pit. Um, there you can they leave the equipment for you to have like nighttime fireworks there's a pool table and a dartboard and a sound system and it sounds really cool if it does. you can if you can tolerate the strange sensation of being out in the middle of the ocean 2 hours from land via boat i
2: there's think there are people
5: that couldn't a- handle that
2: Oh, without a doubt. There's probably some vibrations and uh, obviously a lot of wind noise, unless it's a perfectly still day, which there are very few. I guess you're out that far. Um, I I got to think it's got to be dangerous, you you know. But if the I would do it if the weather were were, uh, serene. I think I I would. Oh yeah. I read this. I read this piece once in Jane Mayer's book, Dark Money, and it was about one of those oil rigs, I think, in the Gulf of mexico and the Koch brothers owned it and they were trying to figure out if this thing gets blown over or blows up what's it going to cost us so they looked at fixing it so it would be less hazardous and they went wow that's a lot of money to fix it how much would it cost to pay off the families if somebody were lost out there
5: let me guess which way they that's went.
2: That's what they. That's and, and uh, shortly, not shortly thereafter, but a few years later, eleven men lost their lives out in that. On that thing it was very tragic. So it can happen, but I imagine I would imagine they don't rent it if bad weather is on the horizon. And I also imagine you've got a disclaimer the size of a encyclopedia saying that <laughs> nobody is to blame if it doesn't work out. Oh I, I
5: yeah, you would know find that it very
2: appealing fishing that far out. You're, you're deep sea fishing that far
4: out, and you're just standing
2: there on the deck. That's pretty cool.
4: It was sold for eighty five thousand dollars a few years ago. So this that's guy all? bought it. Wow. That's all. Yes. Now to stay there, I looked. I wanted to see how much it cost. Did you have that, Sherry?
5: I the number I saw was fifteen fifty a night. Do you see something that's different?
4: It said four ninety eight. Four hundred ninety-eight dollars price per person. So um, it's possible that it could they could just go by room then, and then mm-hmm. it's it's uh, that fifteen fifty.
5: I mean, eight bedrooms, two bathrooms. The, you know what this would be really good for, and then we could turn it into a movie, like a thriller. That's what I'm thinking. So a group of dudes decide to have like their bachelor party weekend. They're all super outdoorsy. They want to hit golf balls right. and, and shoot clays and right. go deep sea fishing. And so one of them goes, why don't we rent the world's most dangerous Airbnb? And then they all laugh and crush beer cans against their heads, you know, like dudes do. And so they rent the Airbnb and they go out to it. They take the boat ride. And there's a couple of like kind of, you know, foreshadowy sort of moments on the boat ride. Then they get out there on the rig and something happens. And now they are tasked with fighting for their very lives as sharks and barracudas swim beneath them. No cell phone signal, okay? like I don't have coverage in my kitchen, Verizon. I'm sure not gonna have it in this oil rig. So no cell phone signal. Um, The boat isn't coming back until Monday morning. And one by one, the groomsmen get picked
2: off. I think it's a movie. I, I'm not just saying that. I think it's a movie, and the name of the movie is The Rig.
5: The Rig, yep. And it starts off, oh, what a great time we're gonna have, you know? Yeah, bro, good find on the most dangerous Airbnb. Crushes the beer can against his head. Oh,
2: you know. And it starts with Marky Mark. Marky Mark.
5: No, he's he's too old. He would be the Mark bride's Walter. dad. No these are this so then the bride's name her name is mallory and she's like jason i really don't want you to go i just have such a bad feeling oh don't worry about it babe it's just gonna be me and my guys man we're gonna be catching some fish (laughs) and then you know she can't reach him by phone
2: yeah yeah yeah. daniel radcliffe daniel radcliffe is one of the guys
5: Oh, yeah, in in a surprisingly serious turn.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's The Rig. I think it's a movie. And then Lamar would review it, and he will go, I want to take a long walk off a short pier. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. When you you have such a visual, it's easy
2: for the critics. It's Bob and Sherry.
6: Bob and Sherry, live tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page.
4: And now on the Bob and Sherry Show, it's another exciting episode of Things Bob Didn't Know. And here we go. I
2: didn't realize this. A whip, a whip like a cowboy whip makes its Uh cracking noise because the whip's tip actually breaks the sound barrier. And what you hear is a small sonic boom. I had no idea. I had no idea.
5: Absolutely cool
2: yeah have, have you ever tried to uh, crack a whip I don't I don't mean something that would be in a toy store that kids would get when they're five years old but I mean an actual long whip
5: I couldn't do it yeah I did I couldn't do it and either I couldn't do it
2: Mary's uncle Mary's uncle who lives has a farm in Virginia we visited uh, he and his wife a few years ago and uh, took Mary's kids and he's uh, she said Mary said oh you've got bring off the whip and uh, I love it when she <laughs> says that by the way Uh, and, and he brought it out and he's popping that thing and he's popping, getting that sound going and he hands it to me and, and he knew I was going to be frustrated. And it was the most frustrating thing. No matter how hard I tried, I'm snapping my wrist and all of that. I couldn't do it. And then he made things even worse by giving Hampton a small whip to take home with us. And so for the next two months, Hampton would spend most of the afternoon outside the front door of our house, whipping. It's an odd look for the neighborhood. You know, if you're a neighbor driving <laughs> yeah, home and say. for six weeks, there's a young boy out there with, <laughs> you know, village of the damn blonde hair, whipping. <laughs> apparently.
5: Did he get good?
2: Apparently, uh, he Better than me. Yeah, better than me. According to a study by the University of Southern Denmark, the secret to happiness is, have low expectations of life. I think that's I, true.
5: I think that's very true. I think where a lot of like rage and terrible behavior comes from is frustrated entitlement, frustrated expectations. Like yep. you have this idea that you deserve certain things. And when yep. those French fries don't come through that drive through window fast enough, you feel entitled to fire off your gun or yell at somebody or throw a drink or whatever. I think so much of that kind of seething um, public rage, it comes from expectation and entitlement.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. I never could get, um, if I had the money, maybe I would have done it, but I don't think so. Giving a kid a uh, Mercedes, brand new Mercedes or BMW when they turn 16. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, what do you have to look forward to? All right. Good luck getting the rolls. Next one. This blows my mind. In 2011, which is not that long ago, in 2011, China aired footage of an Air Force training exercise on China Central Television. So the whole nation saw it. It's an Air Force training exercise. They were actually just playing clips from the movie Top Gun.
5: No.
2: <laughs> Seriously.
5: For real.
2: Evidently, yeah, from what I'm reading here. And speaking of airplanes, everybody knows the disaster satirical comedy Airplane. It is largely based on a 1957 drama called Zero Hour. It follows the same plot, uses the same character name for the hero passenger, and parodies numerous scenes using the same dialogue word for word. They were making fun of a corny drama from 1957 and nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. They thought it was all new script and it was just parody. And finally, after a ride on England's first escalator. So this is the first escalator ever in England. Probably sometime in the 1930s or 40s. Customers were offered a brandy to revive them of their ordeal. My, times have changed. This is Bob and Sherry.
5: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.